I'm just a pilgrim passing through. Hallelujah. I heard a minister say one time that his mother told him, Wear this world like a loose garment that you can slip out of at any time. But so many times people become entangled with this world. And this world has such a hold on. We need to wear it like a loose garment. Yes, amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, the first chapter. We're going to start reading in verse number one. Strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, 
that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, so that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, I ask you for divine utterance this morning. I ask that you would help me to communicate the heart of the Father to us, your people, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to paint a little picture in your mind when it comes to the subject of wait for it. You've got somebody starting Little League Baseball. And in Little League Baseball, there's a, there's a plate that's in front of the backstop and at this plate there's a man that, or a boy that sits down like so with a glove in his hand. There's a mother man that's standing back here like this with a cushion thing on the front of him. And then they've got a box painted on this side of it and a box painted on this side of it. And the box that's painted on the side of that plate represents where somebody's supposed to stand. That's the batter's, batter's area. And one of the things that's told to that, to that one that is learning to play baseball, don't swing at everything that comes your way. You stand there and wait for it. Because sometimes that ball will be on this side of the plate and sometimes that ball will be on that side of the plate and if it's on the outsides of the plate, it's a ball and not a strike. You can't never get struck out if all he's throwing is balls. But if he throws strikes, he ain't got to throw but three and you're out. So the coach will encourage that batter. You be in position and you be ready to go. But you wait for it. Because when it is a strike, you, you learn to see what that strike looks like. It's going to be in this zone. It's not going to be in this zone and this zone and this zone. It's a small area that it's got to be in to be a strike. Especially when you take it on a little guy that ain't no bigger than this. The strike area becomes like so. And he'll encourage him, wait for it. Because it's worth waiting for. Now, I want to tie that analogy in with what I want to share with us this morning on where Jesus told his disciples because They've just been through an experience that they have uh, never experienced before in their life. They've seen their Messiah die, be crucified, all hope gone. And then, three days later, here he is right back, full of life. But he's only staying for a short time. But he says, I'm going to send somebody else in my place. 
The Father's going to send somebody else in my place. Just as you needed me, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And just as I helped you, the Holy Spirit is going to help you. And just as I taught you and guided you, the Holy Spirit is going to guide and teach you. And I'm sure that there was all, all kind of questions that, but, that they had. But his words, I believe, kept ringing in their ears. said, wait for it. Wait for it. See what happens when we don't wait for God is we go out half-cocked and we misfire and we don't accomplish the things that we're supposed to accomplish. It's sort of like when that batter is standing in that box and that ball is way on the inside and he swings in his strike zone, that ball's going to hit on another part of the bat. Or if it's outside, it's going to hit on another part of the bat. Or if it's down low or up high, it affects what's in that strike zone, affects the way that that ball is going to respond to that bat. And the way that a person approaches what God has said has much to do with the way that that power, when it comes our way, is going to have an effect on us. And he says, wait for it. Wait in Jerusalem until you have been endued with power from on high. And he, he went on to say, and I... I got a different Bible with me today and I saw something that I hadn't seen before. This is what they call a red letter edition of Bible. Now, how many knows what the red letters mean? Jesus. That's Jesus speaking. That ain't somebody else speaking, that's Jesus speaking. Well, let me read to this, this one verse right here. And I want you, to, want you to hear this. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which is in red. This was the word of Jesus. Which, you thought, why in the world would it put something like which? W-H-I-C-H. Which, he saith, you have heard of me. This is what I've told you. I've told you this before. I'm saying this for a reason. Wait for it. If God tells you to wait for something, if Jesus tells you to wait for something, I can promise you this, it's worth waiting for. You will never be disappointed waiting on what God has told you to wait for. See, there's a lot of times that people get all fouled up in jobs, in relationships. There's women that want to be married so bad that they would marry the first man that comes along. 
Sometimes they have ideals of what they want in a man and spell out. And a lot of times later on in life, they just settle for anything that comes. And I'm going to tell you what, if there's any place that a, man, that a woman ought to be waiting, don't you settle and don't you encourage other people to settle when they should be still waiting for the right one. Because when it comes to marriage, that's the second most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. The first decision is accepting Jesus. The second one is who you spend the rest of your life with. Amen. Because you can make your life out of your choices. A living hell. Or somewhere that's a whole lot better. Some people have heaven on earth in their relationships. You don't get there by marrying the wrong person. You get there by marrying the right person. But just because you marry the right person still don't mean that it's heaven on earth. But there's things that you can do to develop that and help make it better so that it can be a wonderful place. Because of the, uh, the arc of marriage is a phenomenal study within itself. But I'm going to tell you what. It's hard to dance with somebody with two left feet. And it's hard to be married to the wrong person. Amen. Now, if you're married now, this ain't time to be changed. <laughs> you know, somebody, they said somebody was, uh, they were believing God for something. And this woman said, I'm believing for a husband. I am believing God for a husband. And she had her eyes on another woman's husband. Well, I can tell you this right here. You ain't got no word to back that one up. In fact, you're getting ready to make a, a, a big blunder. <clears throat> but a person's flesh and a person's mind can, can be very persuasive. And Jesus is saying to this, to his disciples, he says, you stay in Jerusalem. This promise which I have spoken to you by the Father. You stay there and you wait for it. And he went on in a, in a few more words. It says, it's going to happen not many days hence. And you say, well, how many days is many days hence? Because there's something that's, you know, when you want something so bad, there can be such an itch within inside that I've, I got to get this and I just can't, I just can't wait. You want me to tell you something? You're getting ready to mess up. Because Jesus said, you stay in Jerusalem and you wait for it. So the whole time that they were in Jerusalem, there was something that was being developed inside of them. There was something that they were participating in. They were waiting for a promise of God. 
But they weren't like this. How long is it going to take? How long is it going to take? I ain't got all day. You, could you hear Jesus say something like this? Hey, fellas. Just cool your jets. <laughs> I give you the advice that the Father has said. He said, stay here. And wait for it. So a better use of their time. Instead of just. Practicing impatience. <laughs> Did you know that we could do nothing. And practice impatience. Or we could. Be waiting and practice. Practicing patience. Yeah but I ain't got none. Well that's why you need to develop some. Something that you don't have is a very good reason to try to develop it so that you can have it. So he tells them to wait for it. And in this stance, and, and waiting on God is a stance. And it's not like what I was doing just a minute ago, walking around impatient. Because patience is a poor receiver. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. I said patience, patience is a poor receiver. Yeah, I said that wrong. Yeah. Impatience is a poor receiver. Patience is a great receiver. But you got to know what you're going to, what you're being patient for. You got to know that there's a reward that's going to come your way. When that coach tells that little league player, wait for it, he knows that they've got that ability to either knock that ball out of the park or to get on base. There's a reason for waiting for it. And brothers and sisters, you can mark this one down. Patience in one area will help you in other areas also. And there's a training ground that's, that's, that happens to us in life and things, different things that we walk through. Now notice this, that Jesus has been with his disciples for three years. And he's still saying something to, to them Wait for it. Wait for it. When God tells you to wait for something, there's something that he wants to reward you with for your wait. He's not trying to keep you away from something. He's maybe trying to develop something within you. 
Wait for it. Now, the waiting here had to do with the day of Pentecost. It's something to me how God is so organized that he started out in the Old Testament with different feasts and festivals and different holidays and observances. And one of them was called Passover. Passover was instituted when the children of Israel was getting ready to leave out of Egypt. And God tells them through his servant Moses to kill a lamb, take the blood, put it on the side post and on the lintel of the door, shut the door, eat the meat, put your shoes on your feet, and be ready to go because the Lord is going to work a great miracle in your life. And they kept practicing that Passover so that they didn't, get, didn't forget it. But it's amazing to me that the crucifixion of Jesus Christ fell on Passover. <laughs> Jesus was the lamb that was slain. But Pentecost was another festival that was going to be following Passover. I don't know if they knew all of the di different dynamics. You know, sometimes it's something for somebody to tell you to wait, and you sit there and don't know what you're waiting for. And that just kind of breathes impatience. But if we learn to listen, and I've thought about this a lot of times, you know, when you, you, think about your, you think about your children when they're small growing up, and we ain't got no parks around here, or there's park benches and all of this stuff, or very few. But I think about it in some places, and if, if, you, if, you, if you gave a direction to your child, sit here on this park bench, and don't go anywhere. I will be, I'll be there to pick you up in just a little while. <coughs> I can see some children that would sit there like little angels on that bench. And I can see other children that just as soon as the words got out of my mouth and just as soon as I had stepped out of sight, They'd be everywhere else except for on that bench. Anybody identify with what I'm saying? Yes. Because there's something about different children, mine included, <laughs> that sometimes they listen to what you say and sometimes they don't listen to what you say. But if I said it, there was a reason why. Because when I came back, I wanted I, I would know where I could find them. Is that true? Yeah. I would know if I told them to sit on the bench and they did it, I would know exactly where to find them. I wouldn't have to spend half a day looking for them. They'd still be my children. But I wouldn't have to look for them. Now, do you think there could be a connection with this? And what Jesus was saying was getting ready to happen. 
when he says, wait for it. This is that which the Father has spoken. Do we believe what the Father has spoken? Do we want to receive what the Father has spoken? If they wanted to receive what the Father has spoken, they had to be in a position to receive what the Father has spoken. This is part of the message within itself right here. See, there's a lot. This thing works in relationship. This works in jobs. This works in just about everything. Wait for it. Becky, it works for cooking a cake. You can put all of the ingredients in it and put it in the pan and put it in the oven. There's a time that it takes for that cake to cook. You can take it out too soon and the insides will fall out of it. You can take it out too late and it'll be burnt to a crisp. But you can take it out when it's right and you can have a fine cake. And Jesus says to his disciples, you stay here and you wait for it until you've been endued with power from on high. And that's basically all of the information that he gives. Did they trust him? Well, we know 120 of them did. Why? Because they stayed. And when they stayed, they positioned themselves to receive what the Father had promised. Now, would, it, wouldn't it be a different thing altogether if 50 of these had decided, I ain't waiting in this place no more. And they took and walked out. And after they had walked out, the Holy Ghost came. Said, man, I missed it, I missed it, I missed it. <coughs> I heard about this drawbridge that was over this waterway. And on this drawbridge was for a train to come across. But it didn't come very often. And the fishermen and all couldn't get, when that there, they couldn't do what they wanted to do when this, when this bridge was like it was. And sometimes the influence of others speaking into our life will cause us to take and make rash statements, rash actions. But this train didn't come very often. So he decided to open it up and to accommodate the fishermen. But when he opened it up, lo and behold, the train come and he couldn't get it closed fast enough. And it was a horrible, horrible, horrible accident because of that. But he listened to the wrong influences. 
Now God's speaking things into our lives and he wants us to listen because the listening that we, that we do positions us to receive what he has for us. Brothers and sisters, through the listening that Jesus, the command that Jesus had given to his disciples, his followers, positioned them for the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God that this world has ever known. Now, I'm going I'm to make another tie here. Go to the second chapter now of the book of Acts. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, why did he tell them, you stay in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high? Now he's giving a little more information, he says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. That's important. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, why was he waiting? Why didn't he do it 10 days sooner? Why didn't he do it 15 days sooner? Because the day of Pentecost hadn't fully come. It's kind of amazing to me that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a Pentecostal experience. And we think that it's just for the Pentecostal churches. Well, it's not just for the Pentecostal churches. It's for whosoever will believe the Pentecostal message. Because the ones that will believe the Pentecostal message and embrace it will, set, will position themselves to receive. Because it takes faith to be able to position yourself to receive. Now, this is not only for this Pentecostal experience. This is for any experience that we want from God. It's for any gift that we want from God. There's a, there is a position that holds you in place. Now, think about it like this for a minute. Here they are in the upper room. They're in one place and in one accord. They're not griping and complaining because it's been 10 days, 15 days, 20 days. When is this not many days going to be over? They were so occupied with filling this space with the right thing that they weren't thinking about the wrong thing. They were expecting something to happen from the Father. And they didn't know just how it was going to shake out or just like it was going to be. But they were expecting. So they positioned themselves there. And it's almost like a landing strip. And think about this right here as a, as a landing strip. And this is where God has told me to be. See, God, when, I, when I'm telling us, and have been for a while, that there's a supply that we need to bring when we come to church. There's something that depends on us and what we bring to the table. It's part of our position. And think of this as a landing strip. And the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost. He's God. And He can land wherever He wants. Let's, let's, let's realize that about about him. He's God and he can land wherever he wants. 
But the father said, I want you to land here. I don't want you to land over there or over there. I want you to land here. I, this is Judea over here. This is Samaria over here. And this is Jerusalem right here. He says, I want you to land here in Jerusalem. And not only in Jerusalem, but I've got one place in particular. Well, what is it, Father? It's that upper room. I want you to land right in that upper room. And when he landed in that upper room, it was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. It doesn't say it was a rushing mighty wind. It was a sound of a rushing mighty wind in that upper room. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. And then I look over at Stacy. And I say, girl, your head's on fire. And I say, bro, no. Is that burning your head? Elizabeth, look at them flames coming off the top of your head. I ain't never seen nothing like this before. I ain't even heard stories of this. And then something else that's almost more miraculous than the flames of fire on your head. We don't think a lot of times that it is, but it's pretty phenomenal that you start speaking in a language you ain't never learned. You start speaking in a language that you've never learned. Let me say it again, that you start speaking in a language that you've never learned. And uh, another phenomenal thing about it is, after you spoke it, your head didn't understand it. You say, well, why in the world would I want something like that? Why would I want something that my head didn't understand? The same reason that you would stay and wait for it. If we won't place a value on what he said on how it was to come, or the, for the positioning of ourselves in that place, it's a good chance that we wouldn't place value on what we just received or were or could have received because the way that we place honor on what he says, just like one of my children or your children sitting on the park bench and I say, wait here, I'll be back soon. And I come back if they were obedient, they positioned themselves to receive. Let me give you a picture here. This is my kids. And uh, I told them to sit here because I was going to 
get something for them, and I'd be back in just a little bit. I come back with two cones of ice cream. Oh, man, they're piled high, and it's their favorite flavor. When I come back with the two cones of ice cream, <coughs> the park bench is empty. Oh my Lord, where the young is where they at now? How many know that there's a timetable on how long that you can keep ice cream on a cone? <laughs> you don't, do you follow me what I'm saying? There's a timetable on how long you can keep ice cream on a cone because we all know that ice melts. And what happens, here's Dad. I'm looking for youngins. And I'm walking around with two cones in my hand, but the ice cream now ain't in the cones. It's all over my hands and all over the ground because instead of them receiving the promise, they're somewhere else out of position. Why? They didn't wait for it. I'll be back with your surprise. <laughs> I'll be back with your surprise. You got the surprise. Well, I had the surprise. <laughs> you got a lot of ice cream. Does it pay? To wait for what God tells us to wait for. Yes. Now, tonight I'm going to pick up on another part of this. Because a lot of times we've been waiting for the wrong thing. Or we've been waiting the wrong way. Instead of positioning ourselves to receive. Because God does not just, for all eternity, he's not trying to just hold us in a holding pattern. If he's got something for us, just like those cones of ice cream, he didn't get them for us just so that they could melt and run all over his hands. He got them for us so that we could enjoy them, that we could benefit from them. But... There's a second part to this that is just as important as the first part. But the first part positions us to receive. Gets us in the position to receive. One of the biggest things that's going to be in the positioning is the obedience because the obedience to his word always positions you to receive what he has for you. Stand with me. Father, I thank you for your holy word. Yes. Holy Spirit, there's some things that you're trying to get across to us, your people. Stir our hearts to want to get it. 
ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you're saying to us from your word. It's a must that we receive this promise. It's a must that we receive these promises. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.